Good evening. Welcome to Deadly Days, Tales of Dark Fantasy. This is actually episode number 40. So we're moving right along. Uh, It just so happens that today's episode is going to be pretty short. Uh, But there's a lot of short stories and I've got to throw them in there someplace. I have been putting some long ones in. It's just kind of the luck of the draw. I'm getting down to the end of Hans Heinz Ewers Volume 1. And today we are going to be doing a story called The Button Collection. And it's kind of interesting in a way. It's, it's people that collect trophies, if you will. But before I get into that, I'm going to say, hey, if you like these stories uh, and you'd want to read them, you can go to my uh, webpage, lulu.com. I have, I publish, I publish stories. I have, you can get paper copies, paperbacks, hardcover. Uh, some of these stories are available on Amazon as ebooks. Otherwise, you can go to lulu.com. I have novels as well. Really going to be this coming year. I'm really going to be offering a lot more uh, hand signed viewers, Carl uh, Hans Strobel, Krzyzewski, Paul Basson, another uh, Leonard Stein. There are some good ones that are coming out. There's going to be short stories, there's going to be novels. So, if you are interested and would like to support me that way, you can go to www.lulu.com slash spotlight slash anarchist banjo or just go to the Lulu site and you go to the search and put in my name, Joe Bandell. Joe band like a rock and roll band EL and my stuff will come up I have I have also their Orchidean Garden which is the world's first illustrated fantasy magazine I've got almost the first year of that publication translated and available and these episodes come from at least four sources. Right now it's four sources. One, I'm coming, I'm doing stories from outside viewers. Uh, then uh, Strobel, or Hans Strobel, then the Orchidean Garden, then a magazine called Cocaine. And I'm picking what I feel are some of the better stories out of these. Uh, so that's that's where some of these come from and there's a lot of them and there's going to be a lot more but there's more there is there's novels as well the novels are not going to be available as audiobooks at this point maybe later I'll have time to do that one last thing before we start with the story 
Today is uh, 2023, it's 21st December, it's the winter solstice. And tomorrow I'm going to be going to upstate New York, I'm going to be driving, it's an 18 hour drive with my dog. I'm going to be visiting my oldest daughter who just had twins, and they have two other kids. and. So I've got four grandchildren by her that I have never seen. I'm planning to spend three weeks with them. So I may not be posting any stories while I'm gone. I'm just letting you know that there may be a break here. But when I come back, everything's going to be uh, going as normal. So kind of, kind of go with, just go with me. Be patient. Okay, the button collection. Mimi Hatsforn made a mighty career for herself. She started out as a waitress in a mediocre cafe and worked there for a year. She didn't make very good tips and needed to sew on the side to earn a few extra pennies. Her customers were mostly students and actors that had damned few pennies of their own. Then came a little luck, a little bit of luck. A lieutenant on the premises made a big scene and in a fit of jealous rage shot her with a revolver. When he realized what he had done, he put a second bullet through his own head. It was not honorably done but Mimi only received a little wound on her arm. She had the right instincts, though, and threw herself wailing on the corpse of the lieutenant whom she had at one time madly loved. Later, she accompanied the corpse to the train station. As it was taken away, Mimi stood there sobbing in an attractive black dress of mourning that she had made. She was very talented, and didn't have long to wait for a comforter. The handsome Baron Hohenthal II, charge of Francona, Conia, quickly took her away from the train station on a little honeymoon trip. The Baron soon returned, but it was three years before Mimi came back to Munich, and then her name wasn't Mimi Hatsuforn anymore. It was Mia Bienavent. She didn't come alone either. She had an aunt, a French chambermaid, and a large purse full of money. She had been to Baden-Baden, Interlaken, and Nisa. From there, she had made a delightful trip to Paris with a lady friend. Mia had it made and grasped with phenomenal insight the intricacies and duties of her trade. The little lady from Munich was perpetually sought after by the English and American women for her fashion designs. After three months, she was seen riding around the Beauge de Boulogne in her touring car. Jealous eyes coveted the new hat she had designed. She wanted to continue up the Isar but found a German attaché waiting with word that she must finally return to Munich and her worthy patron. Mrs. Mia 
be an event, lived in a charming villa on Keith Street. She had huge receptions with officers, artists, jurists, and writers always coming and going, but not any more students. Mia was delightful. She patronized the young artists, had literary and musical evenings in her home. She set the finest wine in front of her guests, and because of that, always had plenty of guests. Women from Paris or New York were always coming to see her. Her portrait was in the finest style of the modern art movement. Her auto was the fastest in all of Bavaria. Since the days of Lola Montez, no lady in Munich had ever been so talked about. Every street urchin spoke of her travels. Every beauty on Kaufinger Street knew what she wore. Every waitress told stories and jokes about Mia, and everyone in Munich knew the corner and the villa where she lived. But there is something about her that no one else knows, only I alone. It is why I am not so passionate about this lady from Munich as the others are. Let me quickly explain. Mia has a button collection. I knew a courtesan in Florence that cut off a lock of hair from all of her lovers. She had brown, black, blonde, and even snow-white locks of hair. Another beauty that lived in Berlin had a large box full of coins from all lands, and each one had initials engraved on it. The dark Ellen Brunkhorst that now owns the large music hall in Amsterdam, has an enormous wardrobe full of handkerchiefs, large ones of sackcloth and soft ones of linen and silk. Many are embroidered with initials. Some have a coat of arms and others have crowns on them, beautiful seven and nine-pointed crowns. Mia didn't collect locks of hair, coins, or handkerchiefs. She had a button collection. None of her lovers knew about it. She never asked for the buttons. She stole them secretly. When earlier, she took them herself. Now she had Susan, her chambermaid, take them. I learned about her secret from Susan. She had been born on the Montmartre, and I knew her when she was a child. I bought violet bouquets from her for our cabaret. Of all the guests in Mia's house, I am the only one she has told this secret to. This is how it happened. Yesterday, I wanted to have tea at Mia's, but I was delayed and everybody had already left for the Oktoberfest by the time I got there. I was very annoyed and complained. That's when Susan called out. If you're nice, I'll tell you something. What? Oh, it's a secret. A secret. Then she pulled me into the boudoir of her mistress. She opened the wardrobe, pulled out a drawer, and took a little chest out of it. My lady has forgotten the key. Would you like to see? She shook with laughter. I opened it. 
Inside lay a large assortment of round pieces of cardboard, all covered in red, blue, yellow, and green velvet. Each one had a trouser button carefully sewn onto it. I took out a button. It said, For a gentleman on it. That certainly belonged to a waiter. The second one had W-F-A-U-M-G-O-V on it. Aha! Warehouse for Army and Marine, German officer. Probably a lieutenant. The next was a horn button that had most certainly been something else before it became a trouser button. It must have belonged to a student. Another said Gabriel Schulhorn. He was the finest tailor in Munich, so it belonged to a banker as well. A tarnished brass button had Fritz Blasberg, master tailor, on it. That belonged to a rich manor owner, a baron perhaps, not quite as good as the crown of Alan Brunkhorst, but still notable. Another read, made in Germany. That most certainly once belonged to a true son of Scotland. There was one other button that I recognized right away. Look there, Susan laughed. Burr, I was ashamed of my own poor button among so many others. I will not be indiscreet. I will not tell how many there were, but... And that's the end of the story. I guess we'll never know just how many buttons there were. And how can I say this? Do you have a collection? Till next time. And remember, it might be a week or two or three before I get back. But I'm coming back.